Hi, friends. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, where twice a week we'll bring you conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchek, and I'll be your guide. Let's go. Gabrielle G.B. Blackwell, oh my gosh, welcome to the Revenue Rail Hotline. Oh my gosh, Amy, what's up? It's happening. This is happening right now, listeners. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. Okay, so G.B., why don't we just start with you sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do every day, and then we'll dive right in. Yes. All right. So my name's Gabrielle. Call me GB. I am a BDR manager for strategic accounts at Airtable. So I manage a team of individual contributors responsible for driving pipeline for our strategic accounts AEs. I've been in this line of work for the past like four or five years. I started off in SaaS as an SDR back in 2015. Before that, I was just some weirdo fumbling around in life trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. Like I, yeah, yeah, I was born yeah, yeah. in the womb, just knowing exactly yeah, what yeah. I wanted. So, like, so yeah. can't relate like, at all. You're like, how did you get into sales? I was like, I was just tired of being a degenerate, and I had, I was desperate, and so here I am. Okay. Oh my gosh. So I. I got to say, I listened to the new episode that you did with Andy, Paul. I just, I got halfway through your conversation on the Sales Evangelist podcast. But I must say the place where I had the most fun prepping for this, GB, was on the TikTok account. So how long have you been doing that? Oh my gosh. It's very new. So here's the thing. The first TikTok that I put on was in February. Okay. So that was like me. So it's only been a few months. I only have 10 or 12 videos up. The majority of them are like, I find some kind of funny... Somebody just says something funny. I'm like, I feel that I just want to do a voiceover. But really for me, like TikTok, it's just like a fun editing yeah. platform. Like yeah. I haven't really thought about like, oh, how do I build an audience? How yeah, do I yeah, connect? Yeah. I'm just like, there's a lot of really funny content. And oh. I just thoroughly enjoy like imitating that content and putting somebody else's voice onto mine. And then I usually just put it on LinkedIn afterwards where I'm like, what's like kind of safe for work? Like safe for work-ish. <laughs> <laughs> And whatever, whatever that is, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn. I respect it on so many different levels. And I just, I really, I enjoyed it. I laughed for uh, during every single one. And what is it, your headline? It's the disastrous. 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 I've had that one for a few years. And I was, I think it was like 20, 2020, I want to say. And I was living at my mom's house. Because there, there was a bit of time where I wasn't working. 20, majority of 2018, about a half 70% of 2019, I wasn't working. And during that time, I got really into hippie wish stuff. Oh, I was like thinking about this like magical world. And I was like, it's very enchanting. And I was like, oh, I was like, and I'm, maybe I'm like an enchantress. And then I was thinking about this world that I was now, I'd been in the SAS, back in the SAS world for about a year. And I was like, all right, like, how do I merge these two things? And then I'm like, and how do I make myself laugh? And I was just like walking down the stairs and I was like enchanting and sass. And I'm like, oh, the sastress. And then I had a good giggle. I like got to the end of the stairs. I'm like, that is so dumb. I'm doing it. (laughs) Well, as someone that also has a fairy next to their name on LinkedIn, where you're supposed to be even more professional, like I support 
Yeah. All of that. Okay. But anyway, GB, I got to ask, and I got this from one of your TikToks. What is super top of mind for you right now? Ooh, what is super top of mind? I've been having a lot of conversations recently. So as a BDR manager, right? Like I've got BDRs, SDRs, and they're going to be paired up with AEs, experienced sellers. And you got some people, I'll be honest, you got some AEs who are like, they're down for that BDR, SDR cause. They are down to clown. And it's phenomenal. You got some people who like don't know what they're doing, but they're open-minded so you can mold them. And then you got some people who are like really apprehensive and very guarded. Well, their books of business and okay. therefore their relationship with the BDR. And gotcha. then it turns into the AE becoming more of a manager. And that to me starts to disintegrate the pureness of the relationship between a BDR and an AE. So the things that I'm thinking about right now are like, hey... How to not just evangelize like the beauty of a highly functioning, highly adaptable, very mature BDR to AE pairing, right? Curious about, hey, like what are the concerns that experienced AEs have that keeps them from being like, hey, like we're, Let's we're work partners. That, I think that's the thing that's top of mind for me where I'm like, how do I come in with a lot more curiosity and compassion? That's one part of it. And also, how do I be really patient? <laughs> like with the whole thing too. Also something I was born with naturally. So I don't know anything about You're having to work on building a patience. Yeah, that's also so oh, fucking it's not, boring. It's yeah, it's a jerk. I've been doing this manager job for four or five years now. So me at the beginning, I'd be like, what the fuck? Just do it. Can't you see, dummy? And didn't work? Wait, is that what you're telling me? No, oh I, I never did that. Oh, okay. My initial reaction. And I will say this is, I think there's one part, and this is not just me trying to pander to AEs by any means. I'm like, listen, y'all's job is freaking tough. Oh, why didn't you want to go into sales? I'm like, that is, I didn't have the quality of life that I wanted. Yeah, so from a stressful standpoint, but I'm like, that being said, though, we're all moving in the same direction. So like, how, just like, how do we, what's the well, process? Yeah, so I like starting with problem statements. But what you said, like you're, so you've been thinking about this, you've been observing and trying to form less opinions and judgments, which I support. My favorite mantra for this year of the life-changing one, GB, has been, what would it be like if I didn't have an opinion about this right now? And Cliff Notes listeners, it is absolutely fucking liberating. Okay, so highly recommend that one, especially when scrolling on social. Okay, what have you found? What have yeah. you seen? And let's unravel this one a little bit. Yeah, so the quote that I've been telling out today, opinions are like assholes. Everybody Everybody's has one, one and the majority of them stink. So I think the lessons that I have, and I've been learning this from like mentors, like folks who are VPs of sales development. It's also listening to sales leaders that I work with or I've worked with in the past. I think the first part is like really seeking to understand before coming up with an assumption. I try to live by the four agreements by Dom Rogel Ruiz is like, number one, they're not in order, but it's like four agreements are don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. Be impeccable with your word, right? So the conversations that I have with my reps a lot right now is let's not take this personally and let's also not make assumptions, right? Like 
we can have a theory. Well, let's, let's, yeah. Okay. So I like this, but I want to go back to from the AE perspective because, and I can speak to the sales enablement perspective too, as someone that's built out two departments. One of the things that used to cause me to see red, right? When going back and listening to calls, because I was very hands-on in that sense, I'm here with you, was the having to make the buyer have two identical discovery conversations because the AE didn't read the notes from the call or or didn't think that the conversation was even worth listening to or and so we're going to put it back on the fucking buyers to have the same conversation twice and so that's a thing and I the betrayal betrayal (laughs) I feel just like I don't understand. And also, I don't understand the psychology of resistance on the AE side. And don't get me wrong. I started two different peer-to-peer meetings at two different organizations as a rep so that we can cross-pollinate successes and mistakes and learn from each other and coach each other. And so I just don't understand the AE that is not leaning into the development of the SDRs around them, especially when the organization has created like really strong, the framework to be able to collaborate. Like, I don't understand. I, yeah, I would wonder. So, okay, so there's, I think everything is a system, right? In the sense of like, all right, if you got a problem over here, it might be because there's a pro- like, I'm on a podcast. Yeah, sim- right? symptoms but like, versus you got, Yeah, so it's like a family unit and you've got three kids and one of the kids is an absolute degenerate right and that might have to do more so with the mom being maladjusted so we have to understand the systems in which that we're playing in so i think there's one part of this where we have to set up really from a management perspective we have to set up really clear expectations as to what is great look like not just in terms of performance but in the day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month interaction what is the responsibility of a bdr in order to support the sanctity and the pure essence and the integrity of a relationship. And the same thing for the AE. And then what can each one contribute or what what takes away? Like to me, a BDR and AE relationship is the closest thing that you have to marriage okay. in the professional context. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. you're literally building a home right <laughs> together. So it's like when... And if you're not operating that way, you're operating at a disadvantage. Like when I was in, so I started off as an SDR. I'm su- I was supporting the AE that I was supporting, not going to name names, but by the time we got into our stride, like he was closing the biggest deals, right? He got promoted into director into the VP level. And there's definitely a correlation between how he rose in that company and in his income as well. And like our relationship, but it didn't start that way. I remember having to have a conversation with him where I was like, I don't understand how it is that if when I do well, you do better. Why are we arguing about me doing well in this job. Nitpicking things that don't make sense to nitpick. If you have concerns about if I know how to do the job or not, just give me the feedback and I'll figure it out. So I think there's like a few things of making sure that we're recognizing what is the real like role of a BDR and an AE in their relationship. And an AE is not a manager, right? You're not the person, you're not a teacher who's like nitpicking all the things by any means. Like if you're a teammate, right? Hey, listen, you drop the ball on this. Let's run this play next time. Great. Wonderful. So that's part one of it. I think there's another part of this, which is, all right, within this relationship, there has to be really solid communication. And another, feedback is a motherfucking skill. Yeah. Okay. I'm so glad that you said this. For anybody that's listening that is trying to 
level up this particular critical skill on both fronts, right? Giving and receiving. This was actually dropped by Meg Mishak on a recent episode, but three up, three down. Really simple. Three things that went well and three things that can be improved upon. And both on the giving of feedback and also on on the receiving. If you are just getting something, all the negative, you can ask for the, okay, what are the things that went well? And it's very quickly does turn into a habit because it's easy to remember. I'm going to drill down into that too as well. So I was just looking through Netflix's code of conduct or whatever. And there's one thing on there, it might be an old one, but it says context, not control, right? And I see this pop up all the time with AEs and VDRs right now. It's, hey, don't do this don't do this, don't do this. That's a lot of what I hear from the AEs to the BDRs. Don't do this. And so I'm like, that's very controlling. I'm like offer context, recognize it. And this is part of the feedback as well. Like recognizing that someone initially might need much more direction, but eventually they're going to develop where you can coach, where it's much more of a coaching. So directing is do this, do that. Like coaching is, hey, like how would you go about this? And so I thank you for that distinction. I think it's an important one. It's almost not to bring this back to pedophilia, but... (laughs) (laughs) Let me consult my notes here. This idea, and I'm quoting you here, that (laughs) demonstrating the standard of leadership and that the opposite of leadership, and I quote, treating people like dogs or like cogs or that are corner operated and are not problem solvers. And that is pretty prevalent. I think that we can agree at a lot of places. For me personally, it was the hardest part about transitioning to sales enablement was realizing how pervasive that thinking was Mm -hmm. from our own leadership ranks. Like it was hard to be at those tables and a part of those conversations, like really difficult. Like I'm still, it's hard even just thinking back on some of them. That said, a lot of the AEs, right, that we're working with that have been promoted up through this manner. And look at how we manage a lot of SDRs. Like we're telling them what to do down to the day and task. And it's like someone has to work pretty flipping hard to not be reading or understanding like some of the modern research on where productivity and performance actually come from, right? Mm-hmm. Happiness, autonomy, yeah. creativity. And we, so empowered. it's like, almost like make mistakes. Yeah. Like ownership of their work. These AEs that you're speaking of that are being critical. It's almost like yeah. that's what they experienced. Exactly. Yes. So again, back to the pedophilia. That they're going to, they're, this is how it's they experience them. Literally, we're fighting against generational trauma in a professional context right now. It's true. And like, can I add one more thing to that? Because you're a great person to mention this too. I was thinking about the origins of the SDR model. Now, mind you, I tend to skew camp full cycle, right? Just because I see the downstream effects, but I also understand this is the way that it is right now. So I've been really thinking on the origins and think about when the SDR model started, right? In the early 2000s, when email itself was a new novel fucking thing. And I'm going to remove you from this. I see what you're producing and how you're coaching and leading. And it's very different than the mainstream and the norm. So I'm not by any stretch. I'm totally underground. We have (laughs) shifted up the thinking on this model in 20 years. And it's just... I could have thought. So here's what I'm going to tell you. So, right, this is why I'm like so 
into sales development. I'm like, I fucking love this shit that I do. And if an AE is like, or an AE leader, because I think also a lot of stuff like rolls downhill. Yeah. Like for me, if, if I'm talking to one of my reps, it's not even making about an AE, but if I'm talking to one of my reps who's a BDR and they're like, fuck that, fuck this, whatever I entertain, right, is what they go, oh, I'm allowed to do this. And it becomes pervasive. So I think there's also responsibility on managers to go, hey, what are our expectations? And then how do you manage that down? Because I'm like, I've got, there are people that I've worked with, like AE leaders, and we have a breakthrough moment. They're like, you know what? Honestly, GB, like the AE's not doing their part. And we're seeing that in the results. Like It, it happens very easily, right? Because especially if you have BDRs who are paired up with two or three AEs, and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, with AE number one, they only booked, they only got nine opportunities. With AE number two, they got 18. And that doesn't really make sense, especially since AE number one is our top performing AE. Why, like, what's happening here? And you start to realize, you're like, oh, this person's been very guarded, very closed off. And I think it, it can be very vulnerable as well, especially for like very experienced sellers in this environment that we're in, in the economy that we're in, with all these tool sets that are proliferating. And like, like markets are becoming very competitive and people are annoyed, right? It's a very vulnerable experience to go, hey, I need your help. Or, hey, actually, I know I could do bad by myself, but I could even do, I can do even better with you. It's very vulnerable for people, especially in a very, I'll be honest with you, very ego, macho driven position. So I think that there's something there about helping people cope with losing control, especially again, sales, like there's so much that's outside of the control where it can sometimes, I, this is my observation, I don't know if this is for real, this is me trying to be compassionate and patient too. In your role, it's like, there's just so much that's outside of your control. You can do everything absolutely perfect and the deal blows up in your face at the last second, right? So, and if your boss is like, where are those meetings? Where are those opportunities? Where is the pipeline? If you're going to go on a pin, right? If. Then what's going to happen? If, yeah. So then it's, okay, where can I find control? And you can probably find control with this BDR because then it's also, hey, I'm experienced. You're not like I'm this whatever I go and I talk to. They're going to think that I'm better. And I have to go into the meeting and go, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. But I want to hear your concerns. Let's find something else. But all of this is very much driven by the experience that I have when I was in SDR. And this is what I tell my reps, too. They go, I had a very challenging AE my first time. We got to a point where we're real freaking good. And it's almost like he forgot that he was an asshole for the first three months. But we got to a point in time where I was directing the territory. I know where all the best ops are. I know all the great people that are there. A lot, And a lot of that was in conversation with this person. Like we communicated frequently. I was like, hey, here are the list of the 10 accounts that I think that I'm going to go after. Here's why. What do you know? Put it down. I would force him to do the work to make me great. And after a while, I was like, I'd get on the calls. And he would miss up, miss opportunities. And I'm like, you need to ask this question. Do this. Check it. Just try it. And then it's, oh, the conversation. He's like, maybe I'm making some assumptions on you because nobody else was giving me a chance when I was starting off where we were starting off at. And so mm-hmm. I think about that where I'm like, all right, I as an SDR worked my way into position where I was really leading the direction of our territory. And my AE was the number one by far. So this just means that if we rethink the dynamic and we expect more out of BDRs, novel idea, we fail more from them, don't coddle them. I'm like, and enable them and coach them and give them feedback and whatever else. And if they don't meet those expectations, 
after all that work has been done, fine, criticize, right? But if we haven't given people the opportunity to even disappoint us yet, I don't think that it's fair to come in with a disappointed attitude. Right, right. Well, damn said. And I would only add two things to that before I'm going to pivot us here. The I got to say on the culture, culture is they're not pretty words that you put on a website or in a welcome to the company email or job descriptions. They're action verbs. And at the end of the day, the culture really is about the worst behaviors tolerated. And as someone that I'm a recovering asshole GB, and I also... And I re- there are relapses, right? So let's be yeah. serious about that. But I made a ton of mistakes on that, uh, like just being a bull in the China shop AE. I like to always think that I treated my peers well, but I don't know. So I understand the pressures that people are under, but I yeah. think you also get that too as someone that's on a mission to teach people yeah. how to welcome them into the industry and how to yeah. handle the headspace on on this job. Yeah. Again, it's a, to me, it's like a marriage, right? Like, it's like a dance. You need two to tango. And it takes work. It takes work. I think that's the piece. It's like the work is to keep on doing the work because unless you are an egregious asshole, right? Like you're calling me up at 10 o'clock at night telling me how my mother hates me, right? If you're like, or you're doing, if there's something that's egregious, that's one thing. If it's, hey, this person had a bad day, you're allowed to be human and you're allowed to have bad days. Like if it's every single day, like, no, right? If, yeah. But I think it's when we give each other also the benefit of the doubt, like going back to those four agreements, like let's not take it personally. Let's not make assumptions. And I think also it's important to consider the moment in time that we're in right now, yeah. right? Trust has taken a massive hit on, on almost every level. And we're all very much out of practice. Yeah, We're learning how to work remotely. And based on a lot of these studies that are coming down, like the relationship that is most impacted is not your relationship with your boss. It's your relationship with your peers. And I think that we can all show up with a great deal more compassion Uh, and maybe a little bit of patience too, as we build the foundation for that relationship. All right, all. That wraps another installment of Revenue Real Hotline. Today's episode was produced by the fabulous Nian Fiedler. Naturally, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their brilliance and stories with us. And thank you too, listener. I know you've got a ton of options and I appreciate you choosing us. For anyone who wants to support the show, do follow us wherever you listen and be sure to join us next time for more conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchik and that's a wrap.